Welcome to Social Work Insider Podcast. My name is Harlani Vasquez, a licensed social worker and social work career coach. This podcast is the go-to resource for my fellow social workers to become the best version of themselves. Each episode, I'm going to share different mindset, entrepreneur, and career tips for you to implement towards your professional development. Are you ready? Let's go. Enjoy. Welcome back, my fellow social workers, to another episode here on Social Work Insider. Today, I have the amazing Jay, who's another fellow career coach, helping burned out and fed up professionals navigate the next steps in their career. It can be stepping into a new role or even navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'm so excited to get into a deep conversation on how to get out of your toxic work environment and just overcome burnout. Jay, welcome. I'm so excited that we finally made this happen. I know. I'm Harlani. I'm so excited. I know like nobody really knows the story or not, but like <laughs> we have been trying to make this happen for like, what is it? Has it been like two months now? And we've dealt with storms, power outages, fires, like the universe was just not working for some reason. I mean, hey, things happen and hey, we're literally ending this season with the bank. So I'm just so excited that we're finally making this happen. And I would just love to just jump right in. I mean, hey, please tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got into just really helping other professionals, just, you know, especially those professionals, especially in the field, right, who are fed up, who are burned out, and then, you know, just kind of starting with that particular standpoint for anyone who, you know, is probably tuning in for the first time and really are not aware of how that actually looks like. Yeah, totally. So how I kind of got started into this was um, in November, or no, I'm sorry, it was December, November, December, somewhere in there. Um, I had shortly after that passed my social work exam uh, to get licensed and whatnot. And so I was kind of like in the pits of trying to figure out my life, basically. I wanted to do something new. I wanted to get into business ventures and things like that. I knew that passing my exam was a key step into doing that, right? And so I kind of just took the route of somebody who was a person with ADHD, someone who has a reading comprehension issue. And I actually started coaching for the exam and doing exam prep classes and, you know, just trying to figure out my life basically. Um, And what I found in these classes, um, as I spoke with these people, um, is that a lot of these people who are trying to pass their social work exams, uh, they're dealing with a lot of external factors with their job. They're dealing with a lot of things uh, like workplace stress, it's making their energy levels drain, it's preventing them from studying, it's preventing them from even working on their home and maintaining a clean home and spending time with their family. And so it just kind of got my wheels turning. Now, if we go back a few years, um, I could have seen some of this happening before because I was always the person when I got out of school um, with my bachelor's degree, um, I was always the person trying to help people with their resume. I was someone trying to work on goals. I was trying to get people to really level themselves up. And a big thing too is I saw a common theme in uh, social work early when I was 22. Mm -hmm. And I noticed a lot of people working for free and providing free labor and working overtime and basically someone wasn't even dying. Like it was just something that really could wait till tomorrow or even next week. But there's a lot of people that were just working for free. And um, I really didn't like that. I did it for a little bit because everyone else was doing it. And I just wasn't someone that really accepted it for long term. I thought it was really stressing me out. And 
I don't know. I just think it's a toxic way to look at the work you do. Um, first of all, it devalues some of the work that we do as professionals, whether you're in social work or a different field. Um, and it contributes to a lot of burnout and lack, lack of self-care for yourself. Absolutely. So one thing I definitely forgot to say, my fellow social workers, is that Jay is a fellow social worker. I totally forgot to mention that in the introduction. So he definitely understands that every day today, of course, even if you're a social worker, even if you're not, you know, currently not in this field, he's definitely able to help you understand those feelings of, you know, maybe you don't realize you're currently in a toxic work environment. Will you say that's something that you currently have seen from your experience, Jay? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I, I definitely can um, sense that a lot of people don't even recognize they're in that environment, um, which I think is kind of weird, but kind of not, because I think there's so much talk about it nowadays. Um, there's just so many things about toxic work environment and self-care and things of that nature. But I think that what's happening is that a lot of these cultural norms and workplaces have just been a thing for so long that we kind of just don't recognize them as toxic. I almost compare it in a way of somebody being in a relationship with someone for 10 or 20 years. It's like totally dysfunctional and like, you know, all their friends know it. They even know it to some small extent, but a lot of it is normalized because you have like a reason for everything. And so it's kind of, I don't know, to me, it's kind of like that type of situation where you're trying to defend something that um, you think needs to be defended just based on how you've done it your whole life. But really um, there needs to be a shift if I'm being quite honest. Absolutely. And what will you tell to someone who's currently in a toxic work environment? What are some, you know, tips or strategies that you, you know, tell your clients to help them overcome or just get out of that, you know, toxicity? Well, the short answer that really is the key thing is setting boundaries for sure, which I think is easier said than done. And I think that that is super cliche, right? Um, but I do think it works if you're looking for just something quick, something simple until you can move on to your next thing. Now, for people who work with me long term, I actually have a six step process that I use with individuals. And so there's two phases involved with these six steps. So the first three steps are basically your short-term goal planning, right? You're identifying what your actual problem is, which is step one, so identify. And then you are <clears throat> analyzing your options. Um, so you basically go from problem solution and then you're kind of like tweaking them as, okay, if I do this, this could happen, but also here's all my benefits. And so it's just kind of like taking the data of those outcomes and then ultimately you go into planning mode, which ultimately is deciding your official, what am I gonna do in the next 90 days or so um, to fix this problem. And so for some people that's setting clear boundaries at work that I will not work more than 40 hours um, and social work that is a little bit different and healthcare that is a little bit different. Um, maybe if someone's suicidal, you may, maybe if someone's homicidal, you definitely may, but overall most things um, that can wait. Um, if it's something like, oh, I need to turn this report in, nine times out of 10, it can wait. And if your employer is one of those employers that has no leniency whatsoever, I personally would question that relationship with that employer. So it could be things like that. Maybe you've identified that you're part of the problem, which is part of my process too. I think that a lot of times we 
look at jobs and we just either say they're toxic or we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm bad at this job. And I think it really is a two-way street. And what a lot of people find is that they come here because their job is toxic and it most definitely is toxic. Um, but during the first three steps of my plan, what they find is there are certain little elements that they could tweak themselves and make them a stronger candidate, whether that's to get that promotion, get that raise, or get a way better opportunity at another company. Um, so maybe they'll find ways of reorganizing their day. Maybe they find ways of rescheduling their life a little bit. And maybe they have 10% of that responsibility that's causing stress on them. But once you tweak that kind of stuff, once you've identified all the clear areas of what you can personally do and then implement it, if your employer is still causing 80 to 90% of the problems of, of your workplace stress and burnout, to me, that's a big problem right there. And so that's kind of the first three steps of what we do. And then from there, the next three steps all involve uh, long-term career planning. What do you want in the next one to five years? And we ultimately implement that into those steps to ultimately not only get out of the burnout cycle, but also recover from it completely to where we either don't have to experience it ever again, or we can severely limit it when we're exposed to it think that that's your reality right like you're like this is normal I guess this is how good is it gonna get you know you start coming up with many excuses right or even start self-blaming yourself and it's something like okay right now I have to really break it down like is this how I want to feel going into work or leaving work and all of those things so really coming from a place of just internalizing first okay how am I feeling and how is this affecting my everyday today and then where do I want to be long term like I love how you broke it down because that's some of the things that I do with my clients as well you know I always tell them let's create your ideal job description first and then go out there to find that job that currently fits your needs right like don't let the market identify what you need to be you need to do it for yourself right so it's something that of course it takes time it takes guidance and sometimes you need like a little wake-up call right because again when you're currently stuck in like that hole or you currently feel like you're like okay there's no way that I can leave this environment like it's something that you have to ask yourself like how how am I feeling? How is this affecting me? And how can I do the best I can to continue moving forward? So I love that you, you know, set those non-negotiables. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I also think that, you know, as I was thinking, as you were speaking too, um, I wanted to also say that I, for anyone who follows my social media, you'll see a little trend that I do. Um, and that's, I call my clients and I call my followers um, delinquents. I call them career delinquents. And the reason I do this is because I what that. I find is, individuals who are burnt out um, and kind of want those untraditional methods of just not staying loyal to a company, which I don't blame them for, um, we're often looked down on that for that for some reason. And, and I truly believe that we put so much emphasis on company loyalty that we've forgotten about ourselves, that we've forgotten about our own goals and our own happiness. And so while I do sit here and say, you know, I'm a burnout coach, I'm a career coach, Ultimately, I want you to kind of also think of me as a life coach too, because I think that when your personal life is more in order and you give yourself more time for that and you set clear boundaries at work, your work is actually not only going to be better, but everything in your life is going to end up being better. And for some reason, people don't like that yet. I think I'm starting to see a shift in the world where that's starting to change, but not everybody really likes that. So I'm kind of helping people navigate um, this career life, um, especially if they're people like me. I'm somebody who um, I also call myself a professional job hopper and I'm proud of it. And people don't like that term, but I am proud of the fact to say that I have went to jobs to got different skill sets um, and I've had several different roles to where I have marketable skills that a bunch of my peers don't have five years later. Um, I remember leaving my first job when I was in my bachelor's degree and 
given the job was actually a fun job, um, it didn't pay well and there was no advancement. And so I said, I have to move on from this then. And so people looked at me and they were like, why are you you know, doing that? You know, that's weird. And then that's your first job. You've only been there a year. And, you know, people just kind of looked at me in a way of like, you'll never get a job. I can honestly come on here and tell you, Harlani, I have never had an issue getting a job. I have never had an issue getting an offer. I think in the last three years, every single interview I've been on, I've been given some sort of offer within 24 hours. And the last interview I've been on, um, I got an offer in 17 seconds, which I actually turned down. Um, so I don't think that job hopping and switching jobs and building up those skills, I don't think that's something that really is hurtful anymore. If anything, I find it helpful because I find individuals who stay at roles five or 10 years um, which is not a bad thing, by the way. So I'm not trying to say that either. But I find a lot of them get stuck in their ways and stuck in their skill set. Whereas me, I've learned about adaptability. Whereas some people have only done therapy. I've done therapy, case management, clinical case management, crisis intervention. I've done marketing. I've done outreach for companies. I have so many skills that can direct me into being a director's position one day if I really wanted to be. Absolutely. And I love, you know, and thank you for being honest, because honestly, I've been the same way. Like, again, I graduated in 2018 with my, you know, MSW, but I started in the field way before then. I mean, I've been in the field already almost nine years. So I definitely I'm, you know, I've definitely have job hop before, but like you said, like, just like you, I don't regret it. I have learned all of the skill set from really first identity. So at the end of the day, especially as a new grad, you're not going to know what you like when you don't like, right? Especially if you haven't been in the field before. And of course, a year or two years of internship, that's not enough time for you to realize, oh, do I really want to do this long term? So it's okay to step into a job and not feel guilty because I always say like social workers or any particular field is what you define it to be. This is your degree. This is your investment and don't let the field consume you and kind of put you in this box. Like, oh, if you like I did clinical concentration, I did therapy for a little bit and then I didn't want to do that anymore. Right. And then I'm okay with saying that. And I feel like sometimes whether you go a particular route, I mean, there's many even macro social workers that go towards a clinical route or even clinical social workers that go towards a macro route. And there is no wrong or right path. Like only you will know what the right path will be. Right. And it's something no. that it you it takes, of course, you have to realize what's most important to you and where you can, you know, basically what environment can bring out like the your best self. I think that's totally true. And I think that really applies to me on a personal level. Um, so I said, I said this earlier, I have ADHD, which means um, for those of you who don't have ADHD, you may know it as the disorder where you have a d attention deficit and you're hyper, right? That's pretty much what the name is. Um, I would argue that that's not a 100% accurate name. So let me explain to you how this works for me. So I don't really have a deficit of attention. I have an issue regulating attention. I will hyper-focus on something, and sometimes it's the right thing to hyper-focus on because you're going into a detailed report and it works to my advantage. Um, sometimes it's not because I have a report due and maybe I want to make PowerPoints and stuff like that, right? So to me, having roles where I can actually do different style of things changes up my energy and changes up my personal flow. Now, some of you might be listening and let's say you are a professional with ADHD. Um, you may say, Justin, that sounds great. That ain't how I operate. Well, that's good because ADHD is a spectrum. So it kind of works a little bit differently for everyone. So the thing is you have to know what environment is really going to work for you. For some people, they do very good doing the same job every single day, doing the same thing every single day. Um, I 
I think that's great. That is not for me. <laughs> that, that would bore me to tears. I need something to touch on that's a little different every single day. But I do need something with structure, I found. That sounds really weird. So let me break that down what that means. My structure involves my time. So right now, I'm in a position um, at my company where I have to be flexible uh, for my clients, which means I'm working different shifts all the time. That is not 100% conducive to my ADHD. So right now, where I'm at in my career, at my current job, I'm at a point where I've been here a year and I'm actually questioning my current role. You know, I've given it an opportunity. I've done it long enough to where I can tell what's going to feel and what's not. And what I've come to the conclusion on is, and I've communicated to the STEM actually a bunch of times too. So this isn't something like they're shocked by if you're wondering like, oh my God, are they going to listen? Um, and that's another thing I tell too, be honest with your employers, which I can break down later. Um, but I been pretty much decided that this is not really the role for me. I'm not really, not that I don't like this role. I actually love the clients I serve, but the way it's conducive to my workflow, it's not going to work long term. So the things I'm looking at in my company, because I actually like the company I work for for right now, I'm looking into working in either in intake because I can, it's the same role, it's the same schedule, but I have other opportunities to fill in time by doing trainings or things like that. Um, or I'm looking into going into the assessment team at some point um, because, again, you're meeting with a bunch of people. You're asking a lot of questions. That kind of hits the energy that I love where I'm still meeting with people and getting to talk a lot. Um, but because there's only so many assessments that come in, you get to do other job duties as well when you're not assigned. It's just you have a primary slot, and then you have secondary duties that come along with it later, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, that, that makes total sense. And, again, thank you so much for sharing that. I know – that, you know, many people are probably listening right now and they're probably, you know, really appreciating your particular talk and really breaking it down, right? Because, you know, even if someone, you know, does have ADHD or just, you know, anything else, they may not feel comfortable, you know, to, to share or even tell their employer or even in an interview and all those things. So, you know, thank you for sharing that because, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't you know, school doesn't teach you this, right? Like all of these things, they never really put that out there. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be, don't be afraid to, again, being honest with yourself and finding that peace within is going to help you find the opportunity, of course, to the best of your ability. What are you saying? Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with that. And another thing I would even tell people too is, and Harmony, this is something that you say a lot too, so I'm actually kind of copying you, but I even take it a step further. Um, and that's when you go on a job interview, um, they're not just interviewing you, like you are interviewing them. And I want you to take that to what Harmony says. I want you to take that to heart. But I would even take this a step further and say, when you're going on a job interview, I almost compare it to like dating, which people don't like because that's like work and dating and we it gets weird, right? No, but I hear you 100%. At the end of the day, you're trying to find if it's a good fit for you you energy wise culture wise like that's all important too i'm not about to do a second interview or accept <laughs> another thing if i'm not feeling you like i'm not so gonna good. do it and so like i feel like a lot of times and this is what i find this is why i love harwani like i really don't believe in, <laughs> i don't believe in competition i believe in the power of collaboration for my business because there are so many career coaches doing so many things and then there's like so many saying like they're the best i will tell people in a heartbeat if you're not feeling me go to harwani and i'm sure she'll say the same thing about me because Absolutely. they will tell you these like it, like, we're not career coaches that are going to tell you, here's how you speak in an interview, and here's how you're going to, like, I mean, we do a little bit, but, like, we're not going to be, like, you have to please this interview. Why would I please someone if I'm trying to ultimately find my own happiness? Like, if I'm, if they're not feeling me in that interview, they're not going to like me for the job anyway, so why would I sit here and be fake in an interview Whoa. if it's not something I'm going to like in three months, <laughs> let alone the rest of my life? 
You are speaking gems. And of course, exactly. There's no competition. We all have to, you know, we all have something unique to offer. And, you know, we're both very similar. Like we help our clients, you know, find their next opportunity, but the right opportunity for them, not just a job. Like I always say, and again, if you've been following for a while, you know that my particular process, whether you're interested in my group program, SGA, or even private coaching, like we first have a free console, like we chat, like I want to get to know you. Like if for any reason I feel that I can help you or that we're not a good fit, I will work for you out like again I'm not money hungry I want to make sure that I'm doing this from a place of like genuine like I care right and the same goes with like again I'm here to teach my clients how to find the right opportunity the right job not just any job because you know me if you just want a job then go to Indeed I'm pretty sure they're going to call you about a job that doesn't even meet your qualifications which is again I'm not downplaying Indeed because it have you know it works but I, I'm a big strong believer that if you want to find the right opportunity for you there's more steps and it's all going back to really finding, you know, finding your people to help you find that opportunity for you. You know, I mean, something like that. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. And you know what? What I find pe- people end up doing in the, um, what I, I call it the job hop cycle. And so I think there's two different, there's two different styles of job hopping that I want people to really take in. And there is sporadic job hopping and their strategic job hopping sporadic job hopping is when you're so burnt out like and this is how people stay in the burnout cycle in my program too and this is how i break this down you're so burnt out that you get to the point where you know you start looking for jobs and then maybe you're doing what we're saying right now like you know kind of look for the best fit for you kind of create your ideal job description but then it doesn't work out because we as people we want instant gratification Mm -hmm. so in a few weeks and a few months we get sick of that and then what do we do we go to LinkedIn, we go to Indeed, and then we start quick applying and we do quick apply with Indeed. And we just start doing it. We don't even read the job descriptions half the time. And we're just, we're job fishing. We're not even job hopping. We're job fishing at that point to see what's out there. And then we're just like, click, click, click. And I cannot tell you like a few years ago when I was going through this myself, I cannot tell you how many job opportunities I got getting that. Like it was insane how many calls you get. And here's what happens you get this euphoric high because all these people are calling you and you feel worthy because you don't feel worthy from your employer. And you think that's a good feeling. It is not because what happens is you're getting all these calls, you know, little to nothing about these jobs. And then I'm looking through my indeed like applied section of like, okay, what is this company? What are they doing? And whatnot. You know, nothing about them. And then what's really funny is these are the companies that you'll apply for. And a lot of them, you don't know anything about the company. You probably bomb the interview. You know, you bomb the interview and they still call you and give you an offer that same day. And then you think that's awesome. And they're giving you a chance. Maybe you were whatever. These are the companies that are desperate. And this is where it goes back to dating. Mm -hmm. I don't like desperate. I don't want to date someone desperate. It comes off as unattractive. Do you see what I mean? absolutely again you are spitting so much jazz i'm getting so hyped right now because again you know we could always take this conversation one step deeper but it's something everyone if you're currently listening if you're a social worker if you're a professional doesn't matter where you are in your career listen up you are worthy you have all the skills that you need to know right now everything else that you don't know you will learn right if you're currently you know struggling to navigate and step out of that toxic work environment you already know hit up jay right and if you come you know social worker student you know seasoned social worker and you're currently want to find the right opportunity for you again hit one of us up 
hit one of us up, right? And it's something that, again, it goes one step deeper. Like we know that step-by-step process and we know how to get you one step further. And again, Jay has so many amazing things that he's currently going to be working on over the next couple of months. So Jay, if you want to share, um, you know, like that, how people can find you, any, you know, things that you're currently going to be working on, what people could expect, but I'm, you know, so excited for you to share. Yeah, totally. So you can find me on Instagram as well as TikTok at multidimensional J. That's spelled J-A-Y. Um, it's all going to be one word. And you can also add me on Facebook at J Travis. It's just a regular account. So just add me as a friend because I need friends basically. And so um, some of the stuff I'm working on right now. So if you want to hit me up for um, individual career coaching, I'm doing that right now. Um, it's very person centered. So there's a lot of tailored plans. There's a lot of things like that. And we kind of just figure out where you are at. Uh, within my six step process already. And then we figure out where we're going to move in forward. I have group rates available for that. And I also do sliding scale rates. Now, the big thing that you guys need to know is that we're filming this in September. Um, so I'm going to be taking a social media break from October to about maybe December, maybe January at the latest. Um, but I'm going to be off for a couple months because I'm actually going to be building on a program and I need to limit as many distractions as possible. So if you add me on my Instagram, there's going to be a post that tells you how to get in contact with me if it's like after that point and you're listening um, because I'll still be responding to emails and I'll still be on LinkedIn um, because I, I don't, I basically don't binge anything on LinkedIn. Um, I go there for networking and that's it. So you, you can hit me on, on email. You can hit me up on my business line um, that's posted on my Instagram. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. But other than that, I'll be out like during the fall and winter because I'm going to be building uh, my online course program. So to give you the details on this, it's basically going to be an online course. There's going to be vid, uh, video modules. There's going to be uh, just written modules, reading modules, all that kind of fun stuff. And there's also going to be bi-weekly or monthly calls. I'm kind of working out the details of it right now. But basically, you're going to do these courses in a self-paced way. It's, you're going to have it available for one year. And we're going to meet every two to four weeks, depending on how I decide to structure this and whatnot. And essentially, you're going to be going through my six-step process on your time and still getting that opportunity to check in with me and check in with your peers. Because I think that's a very needed component. Um, and so that's going to be what we're going to be doing. So expect that anywhere from December to January and make sure you follow now so that you get those updates first. So you can be the first one to get it. Cause I'm going to give really awesome deals to people who sign up for it first. You heard him loud and clear. So make sure to go ahead and follow him on all of those platforms. No worries. I will be including all of this information in the show notes. So make sure to go ahead and connect with him so that you can be informed when all of this comes out. And Jay, thank you so much for being a part and finally making this episode happen. I'm just so, so excited that we finally got the chance to do this. Of course, you spit so many gems and I can't wait to do this again again for season two. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Take care. Thank you, Harlani. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in on this week's episode on the Social Work Insider. For more resources, feel free to check out my website, yourevolvedmind.com. That's all for now. Till next time.